3: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, your Christmas is here and it is time to talk about it. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me is KT Smith as the Steelers unwrapped their big gift and it's a big one. It's Broderick Jones, offensive tackle from the University of Georgia. Look, we could tell you what we can do here on the hangover, but let's just get straight into it. KT Smith, you happy?
0: Oh, absolutely, man. That's the uh, that's the left tackle I think Steelers fans have been looking for for a long time now. So it's not a sexy pick. Everybody likes the uh, the sleek new car. This is a little bit more like the the minivan that you need to, to cart the kids around in, but you got to keep the kids safe. And I, and that's what the Broderick Broder Jones pick is going to do. It's going to keep uh, kid number one, Mr. Pickett. It's going to help keep him safe. That's for sure.
3: Also going to uh... – Open holes for our man, Najee Harris. And, uh, you know, there's another guy there too, Jalen Warren, that could benefit from this guy as well. So I'm really excited. Is this a guy that grades out better against the pass or the run, or is he even?
0: Right now, he's more developed as a pass protector. He This is a pretty awesome statistic. Broderick Jones gave up two sacks in over 1200 snaps at Georgia. 1200 snaps. He gave up two sacks. He gave up no sacks uh this past season in 2022. So, he is a an elite pass protector. He's got he just got such good feet. He's such a good athlete. I mean, this is a guy who had division 1 scholarship offers in basketball as a, a high school player and that really like translates when you when you watch him Move. He's got really great athleticism. He tested the, as the third most athletic offensive lineman at the combine. He was the fastest run in the forty. When he gets out in space, he really moves well. But but you really see it show up in pass protection. He's so good at mirroring a pass rusher's feet. Like one of the big things that they stress with offensive tackles is you want to mirror his feet, which means you want to essentially. Uh, he's your dance partner, man. You want to put your feet with the feet of the, of the defensive lineman. So he doesn't out leverage you. And he's so good at that. And he's so balanced. He stays really balanced. So uh, as a pass protector, he is excellent. He's got a little bit of ways to go in the run game, uh, some technique work, but, but fortunately he's going to be working with a guy in Pat Meyer, the Steelers are line coach who is uh, a, an excellent technician and teacher of technique. So, I'm sure that the uh, the pass protection skills were attractive, and the Steelers figure that they can fix what they need to fix in the run game. Now, last night we
3: had a uh, open Zoom. It's kind of a green room slash war room as we make plans, and we needed to because when they made that choice, we had to tell everybody where to go because a trade upends everything so we're we're telling everybody where to go what to do what uh we need to do but we had our reaction to the pick as well and it was a lot of fun conspicuously absent was kevin smith but apparently we got word that you were happy with the pick so that's always good for me but one of the things that was brought up on that zoom call was that this is the perfect scheme fit Meyer and Broderick Jones and they mentioned something that you said and I can't even remember what it was but playing a uh, playing a different kind of line scheme you know this fits perfect
0: yeah he's a well-trained zone blocker the Steelers ran on almost exclusively zone schemes last year and the the, the one scheme that I think that they couldn't develop more and that, the, and I'd like to see them integrate more into the offenses, the outside zone or the wide zone scheme. And Broderick Jones is very good running the wide zone scheme. Um, it's funny. The reason I wasn't on your on the Zoom was because I was waiting to jump on uh, as the Steelers got closer to their number seventeen pick. Uh, but I should have taken my own advice. I I had a weird, I, I not weird. I had a sense that Omar Khan was going, going to be aggressive. I think I actually earlier in the day had put something in the Slack channel about uh, I just had a, a a vibe that the Steelers would not sit pat, that if there was a guy that they really wanted, they'd be aggressive and go up and get him because that's what Omar Khan has done uh, all offseason. He's been aggressive, and and they did. And, and so when they did, I, I was like, oh, I'm going to. I'm not going to be able to get on to the the zoom in time, but I also, I also was having fun watching it with my 10 year old son. It's like really the first time that he had a a real interest in just watching the draft. And he kind of sat on the couch right next to me the entire time. So, so I'm sorry. I missed, uh, you know, kicking it around with you guys, but, uh, but, uh, it was, the payoff was worth it to hang out with my son who's a big lions fan, uh, and just watch his reactions. That was pretty priceless.
3: No apologies whatsoever. You know, this is not about Jack Campbell. And I know that was one of the guys that you loved. I'm sure you were, uh, you're patting your son on the head saying that, Hey, you just got a possible superstar in Jack Campbell.
0: Yeah. He didn't really know. He kind of looked at me like, is there you know, with the, with the upraised eyebrows, like, you know, is, that is he all right? good? and I was like, Oh, damn son. Yeah. <laughs> so once he found out that he was a guy I really wanted, then he immediately shifted into gloating mode. I was like, you're not allowed to gloat about somebody. You literally just had to ask me who the hell he was. Yeah, so. <laughs> hey, but I remember the Steelers passed them
3: up in the first round too. So
0: yeah. Yeah. And that's funny because uh, it's, it's so interesting how the draft season evolves, right? Like you just hear all this stuff and this is why I, this is why I always take mock drafts with a grain of salt and, and and you know even even guys that we know in in our Slack channel and and BTSC writers and people that we now know through FFSN who are who are so certain about stuff oh they're so certain that this is going to happen that's going to happen this guy stinks that guy stinks uh, whatever it might be well, we don't know right everybody was projecting Jack Campbell to be a a late round second pick right everybody was like oh he's going to go in the forties and then all of a sudden this morning you hear that there's all this buzz that he might get he might be a first round pick and and there he is he goes in the in the 20s and then and then there was rumors earlier uh yesterday that Will Levis was potentially going to be the number 1 pick and you know, Will Levis is still sitting there you know Will Levis is is you know he's a so so you don't know right you don't know what's going to happen i wrote an article about Three players the Steelers might select if they didn't go off into tackle or corner, and they were Lucas Van Ness and Jordan Addison, um, and I can't remember off the top of my head my the third guy that I that I wrote about. But like a lot of the comments were like, none of these guys are first rounders. That's crazy. If the Steelers take any of these guys, I'll go ballistic. All three of them went in the first round. So the 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 way in which casual fans. You and I, all of us analyze stuff. It's just so different from the way that the guys who who, who are actually doing this uh, go about it because their information is theirs and we're just speculating.
3: Yeah, and we really are. And when you look at everybody that went in this draft, there are so many really good players left. There was a point last night that we were really hoping that to see nolan smith but he went off the board at 31 to the eagles we were hoping maybe that guy could be around but now that they are looking at number 32 and there's some really good guys left they could do so many things here kevin they can trade that pick which could help recoup but do they really need to recoup that fourth round pick
0: i don't know i think it depends how much they like uh, the best available players on the board. There are some really good football players left. And if the Steelers want to stand pat and sit there at number 32 and, and select one of those guys, uh, they've got some options, right? And, and um, or, or they could probably move back and acquire a couple of picks. I think the, the interesting questions are like, how badly do they want to address the defensive backfield are they interested in a tight end? Uh, are they n- maybe not done yet with the offensive line? You, you know you heard some reports that there was I don't want to call it a, a divide, but that that Mike Tomlin wanted to go heavy on defense, but that Andy White and Omar Khan were a little bit more in the in the camp of let's let's just fix this offensive line once and for all. And when they showed the Steelers uh, draft room, after they made the Jones selection, you saw Andy Whitel and Omar Khan kind of slap five and embrace, and I don't know. You just got a little feeling like, hey, they got their guy. So, so what if they just decide let's let's really go for it by upgrading our weakest unit or, or what had been our weakest unit, and maybe they'll take another offensive lineman. They certainly could go center if they wanted to. So, I think I think the Steelers will stand pat unless somebody blows them away with an offer. Really, see, I'm actually thinking
3: that part of the uh, making of the deal was the fact that they can go ahead and field these offers and they can be aggressive with it. And Mike Tomlin is talking about how aggressive Omar Khan is. You know, he might not be waiting for the phone to ring. He might be calling teams up and asking for a first-round pick for a guy because you don't ask, you don't get, and you don't know if you get that desperate team. Uh, Will Levis... You know, you would almost think that that he could have been a possibility there, um, not for the Steelers, but somebody's going to want to go ahead and trade up for him or a hand and hooker, because this is the first round all over again, because you have waiting. You've got 20 hours. Teams could go ahead and posture. And if there's a guy they want bad enough, they're going to spend the cash to get it. People were complaining about the Broderick Jones because the last time the trade, because the last time they traded, it didn't work out well. But I remind them, Troy Palomalu and Santonio Holmes were trade-ups, and they did very well. This team, let me ask you about one of the guys they left behind, and it was Christian Gonzalez, the guy that's a draft crush of mine. But if they don't make that trade... New England's taken them, taking them anyways at, at 14, probably. So you've got to realize that with those spaces, the reason you make a trade because this player is not going to be there because you have all kinds of Intel that he's not.
0: Yeah. And, and he seems like a new England corner. He really does. He's smart and he's versatile. My only reservation on Christian Gonzalez was um, he, he was, he was good at Colorado and, and then he transferred to Oregon, and, and he was great at Oregon, absolutely great at Oregon. Um, but you wonder, and I don't really have the answer, but you wonder, like, why wasn't he as good at at Colorado? Was it a scheme thing, a coaching thing? What what may it have been? Maybe he just wasn't as complete uh, a corner as the Steelers wanted in that situation. Maybe they didn't, you know, maybe they thought he wasn't a great scheme fit, or m- more likely, maybe they just really, really liked. Broderick jones and really wanted to address their offensive tackle position that's where i I really think that like when i looked at at what the steelers were trying to do and i thought about them prioritizing i just really think that andy whitehall has had a a significant impact on this offseason you look at how they've really revamped the offensive line it just felt like they were going in that direction um I you know, you and I, you know that Devin Weatherspoon was the guy that I loved so much, but he went Me off too. early, man. He went off like at number six. Um, and I thought, I thought if, if he's hanging around, you get to about 12 or you get into the teens and he's still hanging around, I, I would have thought maybe the Steelers would go up and get him because of how just fantastic he is as a press man corner. Did you see that statistic that they that they uh flashed on the screen when Witherspoon got picked in in press coverage with with him playing in press coverage last year. He gave up a total of one reception for minus four yards. That was his. Wow. Yeah. So I thought, hey, man, you know, the Steelers play so much man. Maybe he's a guy they'll go up and get. But he was long gone. So it certainly made sense that they would go after Jones. Well, let's go back
3: to Jones real quick, because he is the man now in Pittsburgh. Is he the dude of the week? I know I'm doing this earlier, but that's the title of this show. Broderick Jones, there's got to be a lot of excitement about this guy. So I'm going to have you answer yes or no to dude of the week. Then I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to ask you to tell us why we should be excited about Broderick Jones.
0: Well, he's got to be the dude. If you're the number one pick in the draft, you're the dude of the week. I I feel as though that uh, comes with the territory, so to speak. Uh, why should we be excited about Broderick Jones? Well, first and foremost, he's a two-year starter on the back-to-back national champions, uh, playing in the best and most competitive conference in all of college football. So he has played the absolute best that there is to offer. One of the best games that he had uh this past season was against LSU, where he was matched up against B.J. Ogilari, who's a, who's going to go in the second round. Um you know, a, a very good uh, edge rusher. And so he played really well against against big-time competition. Um, like we already talked about his pass protection skills. I think that's a significant upgrade for the Steelers. Dan Moore Jr. I like Dan Moore Jr. a lot. I do. As a run blocker, but as a pass protector, Dan Moore Jr. struggled last year. He gave up seven sacks, 10 quarterback hits. Those are big numbers. And there were a lot of times where only Kenny Pickett's mobility probably bailed him out from giving up some more sacks he just doesn't have great feet and great technique as a pass protector and i think that the steelers see roderick jones as a guy who can probably come in early and play um and now it's really interesting because if that happens you then kick more over to the right side and you let him compete with chug sakura for Uh, for that starting tackle spot. And the Steelers are now pretty darn deep at tackle. So I think Jones strengthens the Steelers' biggest weakness, which was pass protection out of their left tackle, and then allows the Steelers to create better competition. Look how much competition they've got on this O-line now. That's really exciting. you got competition for starting guard spots, competition for starting tackle spots. Depending on what they want to do with some of their new pieces, there could be a competition at center. I mean, they're going to really bring out the best of these guys.
3: They absolutely are, and I love the fact that we talked all along about the Steelers not being desperate in this pick, and this shows that they weren't desperate. By taking this player, Broderick Jones, I mean, I love the guy. He's 21 years old, and at 6'6", at 3'10", six, six, that's a monstrous man.
0: A monstrous man who can dunk a basketball and, uh, and is a super athlete, when you watch what he's able to do on the perimeter, that really gets you excited. And, and the Steelers didn't run that many perimeter screens, but they play a perimeter game with all their all their jet motion and things like that. And if they want him to get out and be an athlete in space, then he can certainly do that. Uh, he's going to be able to get to the second level to block linebackers. He covers guys up really well, man. he's just again, I, I can't stress how important it is to have great footwork. As an offensive lineman, and the advantage that that creates, uh, you, you see on a lot of his blocks how he how well he gets himself into good position uh, in order for him to then kind of uncoil his hips and um, and and dominate players with good leverage. His hand plays a little bit lazy, uh, and and that's really where the technique work needs to come in. He's got to be able going up against really good NFL pass rushers and defensive linemen. If you don't win with your hands, if you lose inside and you let a guy get into your chest, you're going to struggle. So he's going to have to improve that. But uh, what he's able to do with his feet puts him in such good blocking position, which is an area, again, where Dan Moore struggled a lot. And I think that that's going to be a huge asset for him.
3: All right, let's take a break, and we will be back right after this as we discuss the best available players. There are some guys on that list that everybody mocked in the first round and it's going to be exciting to see as Pittsburgh has their pick of the litter. Stick around it's here we go, the Steelers show on Steel Curtain Network, courtesy of Fans First Sports Network. That subway train has taken us to the second round of the NFL draft. All of the picks are in, in the first round. All 31 have new teams. And now we are talking about the best remaining on the board. KT Smith, man, I'm excited because once again, the Steelers control their own destiny and the destiny of others here. And there are some names here and there are names that man, it could be great trade bait as well with Will Levis being on the board. There was talk, like you said, that he could be number one overall. He is still there, and the Steelers will be getting calls for Mr. Levis and a few of these other guys as well.
0: Yeah, that's that's for sure, and they're going to have some interesting offers. But if they want to sit there and just make the pick, they've got a couple of guys who were really high on their draft board who people thought that that would be good picks for them in the first round at number seventeen, and those guys are still sitting there. So, so that the Steelers, I think they're in the a position right now to kind of ask for the the moon and the stars. Uh, and if they get it, they can make a deal that will recoup some of the picks that they've lost and maybe put them in a position to really add some depth. But if they don't, they just sit pat and, and they pick guys who are who many people would have applauded if they'd taken them at number seventeen. So let's go ahead and look at this
3: list. We talked about Will Levis. Do you see, what kind of team do you think would possibly trade up to get a guy like this that passed on him in the first round that is
0: still quarterback needy? Right. Um. I was surprised that Tennessee bypassed him. I thought that, I guess that they, they haven't given up on Malik Willis yet. Um. That, that, that experiment did not go well at all last year. And there was a lot of talk that maybe that they were done with him and wanted to move on from him. So they're, they're a team perhaps that that could be reinvested in that Detroit is a team that could be in on them. You know, Jared Goff is is still, he's not that old, but, but I don't think that Jared Goff know uh, kind of lit the world on fire there. So, so, you know, you could look at them. And they have picks to play with. Correct. And then the Washington Commanders, another one, right? Sam Howell is there. They seem to like him, but uh, I don't think that they would be opposed to giving him a little bit of competition there. So, I mean, I think those are three teams that you would consider trying to trade with the Steelers.
3: All right, let's talk about the rest of the top ten. Michael Mayer, the tight end, is considered by ESPN at number two. Tight end from Notre Dame. He would fit what the Steelers are doing, but you also have Oregon State's Luke Musgrave at number five, and the guy that we seem to love at number 10, Darnell Washington from Georgia. That's three tight ends, and that has always been talked about being a possibility at the top of the second round for the Steelers.
0: Yeah. Mayer and Musgrave are a little redundant to me. As as, as much as I like Mayer as a player, he is very Pat Friermuth-like. I think the Steelers have a Michael Mayer already and, and uh, one who has already established himself in the NFL. So if they're going to go tight end, you and I are in agreement on this. Darnell Washington is the more interesting individual. I don't think the Steelers would, would go for Washington at 32. I think that they would feel pretty comfortable uh, in a trade back scenario that he might be a guy. So I'm not expecting tight end.
3: Let's talk about the elephant in the room. And it's a very thin elephant because corners are not big guys. But let's talk about the corners that are left on the board. Joey Porter Jr. is the top of that list. Not a lot of people thought JPJ would fall. And then there was talk the last couple of days that he was going to. Why did Joey Porter Jr. fall?
0: I, I don't think Joey Porter Jr., does anything spectacularly. I think he does everything well. And I think when you look at some of the corners that went above him, it wasn't surprising that Witherspoon or Gonzalez went, but when the Banks kid out of Maryland went, it's probably because he was a more physical man coverage guy. And, and that's what, uh, that's what the giants were looking for. So I'm a little surprised. Yes. That Porter is still on the board, and I think he's a great fit in Pittsburgh because again the Steelers are a very versatile defense now Porter's Porter's a little bit better I think in zone schemes than he is in man schemes and so maybe that's a deterrent for the Steelers because they are playing a ton of man but he can do he can do all of it well and so we you know, we talked last week uh, everybody around Steeler Nation talked last week about Porter being the pick at 17 so if the Steelers could get him at 32 or who knows if they could Move back a few spots, acquire a little bit of draft capital, and get them around thirty-five or thirty-six. Even better, I, I think if you if you told uh, if you told people before the draft that the Steelers would come out of it with Broderick Jones and Joey Porter, because it seemed like it was a question of which one would you rather take between the two, would you take Jones or Porter? The whole conversation of Jones and Porter that never really came up, and now it's now it's a possibility.
3: We talked about uh, the tight ends. There's another tight end out there, Sam Laporta, who was actually considered to be a first-rounder as well out of Iowa. But I want to continue on with the defensive backs. Julius Brents and Tyreek Stevenson are in the mix. I kind of like Brents for the Steelers too. And, you know, these guys are considered 12 with Stevenson and 15 with Brents respectively. Do you think – uh they might just try to see if they can get them at at forty nine.
0: Yeah, Keely Ringo too from Georgia. The Steelers had um, uh, a you know a visit with him and uh, we're at his pro day. So I, I you know if the Steelers like somebody better at thirty two, they may feel as though that there's a that there's a corner that they can grab at forty nine. Speaking of defensive backs, one name you, you were probably going to get to him, but I'll throw him out. I'll get into him air. next. Okay, I'll, I'll wait. Then um, the corners uh, are deep. It's a deep class, and everybody said it's a deep class. So then there's a there's a decent chance. Again, in a trade back scenario, you could probably land uh, at least one of the, the the three or four guys that we just mentioned. So it, again, it wouldn't be shocking to see them do that.
3: Who is Brian Branch? Is he a safety? Is he a cornerback? Or is he just an overall great defensive back?
0: Yeah, he's a football player, man. You know, he's a guy I really like because of his versatility. He's a he's a Terrell Edmonds type player with a little bit more athleticism. A guy who can actually line up at corner, but what but in Pittsburgh, because of his size, I think he'd play a lot in the slot. If the Steelers really want a nickel corner uh or a box safety, uh, you know, almost like two different sides of the same coin in some regards he's the guy if they really are looking to fill that void I don't know if they are because again with Fitzpatrick and uh Kazee and now they've signed Keanu Neal um I think maybe they might be okay with those three guys but if they took Brian Branch it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me at all because I think that they would have an immediate use for him also in that
3: top 10 we've got Hendon Hooker there There's not a lot of uh, edge rushers in that top 10. You've got Keon White at number 16. That's the closest to the top 10 that is left. Keon White, a Georgia Tech player. It's a guy that did have a visit in Pittsburgh as well. Here's a unique, here's a couple unique guys here too that I want to go ahead and bring up. You talked about the fact that the Steelers might want to just go ahead and fix the rest of the offensive line. And you mentioned that earlier. There are some centers left right now, and there's some very good ones. Joe Tipman is a guy that Jim Wexel is just absolutely in love with from Wisconsin. And you also have John Michael Schmitz from the University of Minnesota. Is it John Michael or John David? John Michael. John Michael. Okay, good. I got it right. I keep on thinking of John David Stutz, the guy who killed Buck Buckwheat. Fuck week back in the uh, <laughs> back in the uh, the great Eddie Murphy days of Saturday Night Live. So I I guess uh, man I'm gonna probably do that now. But with those guys, if they want to go center, man, they could really fix that offensive line. I mean, they could be over and done with it if they go ahead and pick maybe a guy like Tippman or Schmitz.
0: Yeah, and and again, this is another thing you've been hearing that there's internal debate that that's the route that they might go. And there's some good players on the board. The more you scroll down the list, there's a lot of good football players left. And you and you look at the Steelers sitting at 32 and 49, they're going to get good players. They just have to decide what holes are they trying to fill or, or what depth do they need, who, you know, where what positions they want to address. But but they're out there for sure. What do you think of a guy like Trenton Simpson? I think at 49 he'd be a good uh, I think that Trenton Simpson is uh, an interesting name because yeah he's a, he's a he's a big name that, in that he's a guy that people know uh, he's high profile at Clemson he's he's a good he's a good coverage man they really if the the Steelers are looking for a linebacker who can cover backs and tight ends uh, he's a guy and he, and he can rush the passer et cetera. The, he's rangy. The question with him comes in with how well of a, uh on-ball linebacker is he going to be? Is he going to be able to take on blocks? Is he going to be able to shed, uh, plug gaps? Uh, or is he just kind of a, a big, strong safety-playing linebacker? That, that'll that be the question. It, it feels as though, given the direction the Steelers have gone with their linebackers this year, that they're not looking for a Simpson type, that they're looking more for – for uh you know thumpers up there but you never know
3: so was branch the guy that uh i left off the list
0: branch was the guy i was going to bring up but yeah you 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 got him and again man he's a really attractive um uh, uh, individual because of his versatility that he can play corner and safety and he can match up with receivers and tight ends uh alike and in Nick Saban's defense, he played. He played what they call the star in Nick Saban's defense, which is really like the guy that they use everywhere, and uh, and that's that's a that's a, a role that the Steelers value highly as well. So it wouldn't shock me if the Steelers targeted Branch.
3: All right, there's a uh, one. There's one guy, a wide receiver in the top ten. It's Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss. It doesn't seem like the. They are rich. This draft is rich with wide receivers. We didn't even feel like it was all along. And now the receivers are gone off the board. Do you think they just uh, try to develop one later?
0: Probably. Mingo's interesting. he's He's got some Debo Samuel to him. He's like six two and two twenty, and uh, he's really good with the ball in his hands. And uh, he's the kind of guy that I think the Steelers would look to utilize on quick screens and find a whole bunch of different ways to get him the football but I don't know if they're that invested in a wide receiver position, given the fact that you would probably got to take him with your first of your second round picks. And there's just some other really attractive players there still. Who's
3: the most attractive player of anybody that we talked about or anybody we've missed.
0: Honestly, if I were the Steelers and I were sitting here and, and, and nobody blew me away with a trade and I would like you suggested, Brian, I would absolutely entertain offers because I do think there's a lot of really good football players left, and I absolutely think you can move back four, five, six spots, pick up maybe an extra third round pick, uh, and get a really good football player. But if nothing blows you away, and I and I'm sitting there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stamp pat and make a pick, I'm gonna pick Joey Porter because I believe that that is uh, that he does the things that the Steelers want to do on their defense well enough to make him really attractive. And the corner position is definitely the biggest need remaining uh, on the team. So he'd be my guy. What about you? I,
3: man, I'm in love with Joey Porter Jr. And I think that's the way that I would go. But there's also one of those centers would complete the whole set and, that would be pretty nice for a team that really wants to run the ball. So I'm, I'm thinking that uh, you could go with a player like that. It looks like the centers are going to be in high demand as well. Like a team like Seattle, who's picking fifth in the second round. That's, that's probably perfect to go ahead and trade with them. You go down to number five, you might not get Joey Porter at that position, but you might, you're going to get a very good player and recoup. So I really think that they're going to make a trade. I'm not rooting for the trade, but I'm rooting for the best fit for this team. And the question is, who's going to win the faceoff? Do you think it's going to be Mike Tomlin this time around, or do you think it's going to be um, the GMs? I actually think uh, they owe Tomlin one, and he's going to say, all right, it's my turn.
0: Yeah, it might be. and And you couldn't blame him. I think either strategy is an effective one, but the reason I would stick with Porter is because it makes me, when I think about, all right, let's say, let's say you, you trade back a little bit, you pick up an extra pick in the third or early fourth and you, and you grab a guy like, like Tipman, the center from Wisconsin. He's a, he's, he's a good football player and a big rangy guy and, and you could plug him in there, but but you've got a few guys who can play center, and Mason Cole wasn't bad this past year. I didn't think Mason all. Cole. I didn't think he was. When you looked at problems on the line, I didn't identify Mason Cole as one of the big problems on the line. So it almost feels like a luxury pick in a way. Whereas when I when you look at the corner situation, you say to yourself, "Huh, you know, like one injury there, or Patrick Peterson maybe showing his age a little bit, uh, or Levi Wallace." not being able to to improve in in his second year in Pittsburgh, any of those things. And the Steelers now are in big trouble at the corner position. And here's the other thing. If you're going to win in the AFC uh, AFC Central, what is this, 1988? If you're going to win in the (laughs) AFC North, right? If you're going to win in the AFC North, uh, you got to beat the Bengals. You're going to have to score points against the Bengals, and you're going to have to stop them from scoring points. So – what gives you a better chance to do that? I think uh, another offensive lineman or a corner who can potentially slow down some of the receivers, I think it's that corner. I agree with you,
3: and I actually believe it is as well. So let's wrap up and get on out of here. But my final question to you is we're seeing a lot of A-plus grades for this Pittsburgh Steelers pick, even with the trade, surrendering a fourth-round pick. What are your thoughts here, Kevin? Do you think that this is an A-plus pick?
0: Well, my good friend Paul Callahan, who was the first guest that I had when I when I did my initial call sheet show on FFSN, and is a, one of the most uh, experienced and knowledgeable football people that I've been around, tells me, and he and he didn't tell me this today today after the draft. He told me this going into the draft, so about a week ago, that he thought Broderick Jones was hands down the best offensive lineman in the entire draft. And this is a guy who has coached the offensive line in college and uh, and and coached it for 30-some years, and he knows offensive linemen. And and I trust him. I trust his judgment. I don't know if Broderick Jones is more developed right now than Paris Johnson, but I do believe that his potential is phenomenal. His athleticism is off the charts. He plays with some nasty. If he can develop as a uh, a run blocker and and the Steelers have the right offensive line coach to do it, he could wind up being an A-plus for sure. That's exactly what all of us want to hear. Broderick
3: Jones is a Pittsburgh Steelers, and all I've got to say about that is here we go. For Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. We are going to be back here on Steel Curtain Network all weekend long. There's going to be about 20 more shows this weekend as we are going to have breaking news stories minutes after the Steelers select each and every one of their picks that's with Dave Schofield we will have round tables after picks as well and the day two and day three wrap up it's all Steelers all the time all draft this weekend make sure you check it out Kevin Smith we expect to hear a lot from you this weekend as well
0: yeah looking forward to I can't wait to see what's on, on tap uh and who knows? Because with 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 what Omorcon's been doing recently, you you just really don't know. For Ken Smith, my name is Brian
3: Anthony Davis. This has been here we go, the Steelers Show, and we remind you to stay here with Steel Curtain Network and keep your feet on the ground
0: and keep reaching for the hypocycloids.